Good morning and welcome to a new week here on Covenant Network. I'm Adam Wright. You are listening to Roadmap to Heaven as we begin this 7 a.m. hour together. It is February 13th, by the way, just a uh, for all of you who celebrate Valentine's Day, men, you've been warned. It's February 13th. Valentine's Day is tomorrow. Let's begin our week in prayer, offering the day to our Lord in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I hope you had a delightful, delightful weekend out there. I hope it was just productive, if you needed it to be productive, restorative for everyone, uh, that your Sunday Mass was fantastic. You know, I, I love the fact that we build our whole weekend around going to Mass and going to Mass as a family. We had a, a strange thing happen to us. One of the ushers said uh, to my mother-in-law, we've been going to Mass with my, my mother-in-law my father-in-law, and uh, it was one of those things we forgot. We had a birthday party Saturday afternoon, and they had the kids, but they had to go somewhere. So I said, well, let's just meet it. We'll, go to, we'll all go to 430 Mass, right, and, and we'll get the kids from you. And the usher said, well, can you bring up the gifts? And the kids were like so excited to be asked to bring up the gifts, except they've been asked maybe, you know, three out of the past four weeks. And, and we finally said to the usher after mass, he said, you know, you don't have to keep asking us. I mean, the kids get a kick out of it. They, they enjoy being asked. But there are other people here, too. And the usher said, no, you know, some weeks we ask and, and, and people say yes. Some weeks we ask and people say no. But we know if you're here that you'll say yes. So you're, you're our fail safe. And if we've come to you, don't worry. We've asked around, but we need you to, uh, we need you to say yes. And we're like, okay, well, we can. We can get that. That is for sure. Today on the show, we are going to be talking about fasting and the supernatural aspect of it. We're going to be also talking about the fact that we are made for heaven. You know, that's we talk about that every week. Where do we talk about that every week? And we're going to hear an inspiring story. Well, I should say this. We're going to hear part of an inspiring story on the show today about someone who not too long ago was walking on this earth and God willing now is with our Lord in heaven, and that is focus, former Focus missionary Michelle DePong. Uh, Mark Bartek's going to be with us to tell us that story. We had the conversation on Friday, and uh, we can only bring a, a little part of it during the show today. It was a pretty long conversation, but good news. We'll have the whole thing on the podcast later this morning. Before we get to any of that, let's go now to Mike Roberts and a check of today's weather. Today is the feast day of St. Jordan of Saxony. Born in Germany late in the 12th century, Jordan belonged to the noble family of the Counts of Eberstein. In his youth, he studied at home, but he went to the University of Paris to finish his studies, and it was there that he met St. Dominic Guzman, founder of the Order of Preachers, and he was blessed with the desire to join the Dominicans, receiving his habit on Ash Wednesday in 1220. Jordan became an outstanding teacher and spent time in classrooms in a number of schools in Paris. 
Then, in August of 1221, St. Dominic passed away, and Jordan was elected as his successor, becoming Master General of the Dominicans. Under his leadership, over 300 priories were added, attracting more than 1,000 students and professors from across Europe. On two separate occasions, he held a chair at the University of Paris and founded the University of Toulouse. However, when he was just 47 years old, there was a shipwreck as Jordan was traveling back from Palestine and his boat sank off the coast of Syria. Jordan died on this day in 1237 and is buried at the Dominican Church of St. John Acco in Israel. St. Jordan of Saxony, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. You know, every time we say we're going to speak with someone from Focus, I get more and more excited because, as you know, the mission of Roadmap to Heaven, the mission of Focus, they're they're on parallel tracks and they run so closely together. So, again, today is another day. Not only am I excited to speak with someone from Focus, but the topic we're going to talk about today is really where the gold is. So we're happy to welcome Mark Bartek, who is the Senior Director of Mission Partner Development at Focus. Mark, it's so good to be with you this morning. Good to be with you too, Adam. Thanks for having me. Now, we are talking about a former Focus missionary this morning, Michelle DePong, who has really just an incredible story. And, uh, you know, people might be saying, oh, good, I'm going to listen because maybe I'll want to meet her one day. And it's even better than that because, sadly, Michelle's no longer with us. But that's also part of the joy of the story. So tell us a little bit about Michelle. Michelle, um, what an amazing young woman. She was the kind of person that uh, when you meet her and you felt like you knew her forever. Right. So you hear stories about St. John Paul II, St. Teresa of Calcutta, the kind of person who kind of zooms in on you and the rest of the world seems to fade away. And Michelle was that kind of person. She was so joyful. And she just like when you... When you greeted her, she's always had this big smile and always very excited to connect or reconnect. And it always felt like there had been no time that had passed from the last time that you spent time with her to the next. It was just a very, very present person. Um, really kind of, uh, kind of I, I hesitate to say this, but she was extraordinarily ordinary. And I think that's one of the things that's most inspiring about Michelle is her path, while unique in a lot of ways, is not a path that is inaccessible to anybody. And I think that's one of the most amazing things about Michelle's story and kind of where we find ourselves within the history of the church uh, for Michelle at this point. So at a certain point, Michelle was a focused missionary, mm-hmm. and, and she did some incredible work like all of the missionaries do. How would you describe the work she did on campus? I mean, again, I love that, that an, ordinary, an extraordinarily ordinary person um, going out there and building the kingdom of God. Michelle on campus is a focused missionary. Uh, if you're familiar with the work of focus, you know that we're dedicated to incarnational evangelization. And so as Christ entered into the world through the incarnation and took on flesh in order to become one of us, Michelle was very much like that. She entered into the lives of the students that she walked with. She got to know them. She shared her life. She shared her family. She shared their farm. Uh, but more than that, she shared the experience that she had had with God and how he was constantly drawing her nearer in her prayer and his invitation to her to towards holiness and she just brought other people along with that you kind of just got caught up in michelle's wake 
uh, in her hunger for our Lord and in the pursuit of the way that she did. And so she was just very dedicated to trying to follow the process that Focus offers of win, build, send, leaning in on connecting with as many students as she could, winning them over to friendship, and then inviting them deeper into prayer, into mission, building them up through Bible studies and individual mentoring, and helping to inspire them to recognize that God has a plan and a purpose for them to come along with that. And then painting the kind of the vision for you can also do what I'm doing and what others are doing by sending them forth to lead Bible studies, to walk with others in discipleship and mentoring and helping them to encounter God in their daily life. And so, yeah, very much uh, kind of her schedule is pretty ordinary to a missionary schedule. She would wake up, dedicate her day to our Lord. She would go pray. She would go meet students. She'd sit in meetings. Uh, but she always was finding ways to kind of seek for holiness in the midst of that as well. Now, up until this point, everything we're talking about, again, like you said, extraordinarily ordinary. This is all something, these are all things we could do starting today. We could go spend that time with the Lord, go out and share our story, share our witness, go to Bible studies, help lead Bible studies, go out and just bring that incarnational, that that missionary discipleship. I love the way Focus puts Mm -hmm. it, and, and go out into the world. So, uh, after Michelle leaves Focus, she goes to work for the Diocese of Bismarck. She's doing some more great ministry there. And, and it, it sounds like we're at the beginning. You know, we're still in the beginning chapters of a wonderful story. But tell us a little bit about what happens next. Um, well, she moved around quite a bit with Focus, just always trying to find God's will. I had the great fortune or misfortune of always having to be the person to say, Michelle, I think that you should go to this different campus and leave away, leave behind these people that you've grown to love and go start a new mission field. And then she really wrestled with uh, what God was calling her to do next. But she had such a heart for North Dakota, especially the Diocese of Bismarck and the desire to do something great for God there. And so she got connected with uh, Bishop Kagan in Bismarck, and he invited her to come and work with him there, where she began kind of trying to build mission into the diocese. I mean, it's always there within the church, but in a very intentional way to invest in the people that she was working with there to kind of pray for them to be a support to the bishop, but then to bring other people along as well. And that was uh, when she was at the diocese, she had this, I suppose I call it a thirst to see people be more dedicated to the Eucharist and to our Lord in in the Blessed Sacrament. And so she launched this conference. I don't know a lot about it, but I was able to talk to her a little bit during her time there. And she had such a a desire to bring thousands and thousands of people from the surrounding area together for this conference to help them encounter the Eucharist in a new way and to bring really renowned speakers to kind of inspire people there. Um, And it was just spectacular that she had such a hunger to see that happen. And I believe that conference, the Thirst Conference, continues to this day. Now, we're talking with Mark Bartek from Focus about, we're talking about Michelle DePong, a former Focus missionary who worked in the Diocese of Bismarck, spreading love for our Lord, Eucharistic devotion. And Mark, what I, when I first heard of Michelle, I said, okay, who is this? Who are we talking about? And the first thing I learned was that Michelle is no longer with us. So at a certain point, if I remember correctly, she was diagnosed with cancer. And then what happens through the end stage of her life is such an incredible witness for all of us, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, Michelle in December of 2014 uh, was diagnosed with cancer. And throughout the course of the next year, I think that she very much walked with our Lord 
in order to kind of experience his passion and she judged her experience of suffering according to i just learned this from her parents uh, when the doctors would ask about her pain level, she would always compare it to how Jesus was suffering on the cross. And so that was like what a 10 on the pain scale was for Michelle. And uh, that's how she viewed it, that she was on the cross with Jesus and kind of journeying, always hopeful that the Lord would heal her, but also completely open to her his will. Uh, I wasn't able to have a lot of contact with her during that last year of her life. I did speak to her the day after she was diagnosed. And it was just kind of nonchalant. Uh, it's like, okay, this is just another path that the Lord is inviting me to walk. And we prayed together uh, that she would have the strength to follow in his path and whatever, no matter what he led. And she was just really kind of um, optimistic that no matter what the outcome was, it was going to be in God's hands. So we fast forward a little bit here. Michelle, unfortunately, did pass away uh, mm-hmm. from cancer. And then not too long after that, I, I imagine it's a couple years after that, there's a focus training in Bismarck at University of Mary, and the bishop comes, which is not unusual. Let's, let's be honest. When focus is doing something somewhere, it's not unusual for the bishop to show up. The bishops are incredibly supportive of the work you do. But this is where things take an amazing twist. So tell us what happened at that, at that training. So it was actually at the commissioning mass. So at the end of every focus training, uh, we invite the local bishop or another bishop to come in order to offer a blessing and a commissioning to the missionaries. And at that commissioning mass, he announced the opening of the diocesan investigation into Michelle's life. I mean, she she passed away on Christmas Day in uh, 2015. And so, I mean, we're just seven years later uh, or so that he then opens this cause kind of among all the missionaries. I think it was a really unique experience for the missionaries uh, to kind of announce and introduce what this begins to look like. Uh, he's become convinced of her, uh, her extraordinary virtue and her holiness. And from people he's talked to, he come, he's come to believe that uh, there's more to Michelle's story than maybe meets the eye. And so he opens that investigation into her cause for canonization at that point, it's a, a very long, drawn-out stage. But the fact that he launched it at at New Sefriani, I think, was a really unique experience. And then a spontaneous pilgrimage to her gravesite that evening. I think 400 missionaries hopped in cars wow. and caravan to Haymarsh to her grave and prayed the rosary at her grave. And um, yeah, just for all of those missionaries to experience, like somebody like Michelle who sat in their shoes at a training, learning how to lead a Bible study, learning how to pray and things that now all of a sudden to see someone who had gone before them, who their uh, cause is being open, that investigation is being open to see whether or not the Lord would bless it and say, yes, Michelle is with me in heaven. She is uh, a notable saint for you to follow. Now, this is what I absolutely love, because every day on the show here, this is what we're talking about, practical, everyday things to grow in holiness. Why? With the goal to one day become a saint. So you describe Michelle as extraordinarily ordinary. Someone just like you and I in many ways, and just like our listeners in many ways, who strived her entire life towards that same goal of sainthood. And we talk about the kingdom of heaven and the saints that they're the canonized saints that the church declares this person is a saint. And then there are the saints that, you know, they're not canonized, but if you're in heaven, you are a saint. That's what we believe. And to have a bishop say, you know, we're pretty convinced by what we know of Michelle from how she led her life. We need to open an investigation because it, this is likely she could be canonized a saint. The church could declare that she is indeed in heaven. And uh, 
has met the goal that we're all striving for. I imagine that that's left a mark on your life. And, and I'm kind of curious, how has Michelle inspired you? Because you're still here on this side of the earthly pilgrimage, but I can only imagine that your life is now different because of her witness. Yeah. One of the things I had, the, uh, I was her supervisor for uh, most of her time in focus about five years. I was worked with her directly or very closely throughout that time. And it was one of the things that she and I often talked about that through our encounter with the Lord, I think this is one of the things we had in common that we believe that the Lord calls us to become extraordinary saints. Uh, obviously to get to heaven, like you were talking about Adam, to be a saint with God in heaven for eternity, but also to live a life uh, in such a way that you could be canonized. Like what does that look like to dispose yourself to God's will and to give yourself over to him and to respond to his grace in whatever way you can. And so that was something really common for me when I was told that they were opening the investigation. I wasn't surprised. Uh, and it feels funny to say that I was surprised by the timing. I mean, it's very close to the time of her death. It wasn't a hundred years later, uh, just a few years after her death that they begin looking into this, but I wasn't surprised that this was ultimately the outcome that, uh, she would have hoped for that she lived life for trusting that if the Lord wanted it to go a different way, she would have been completely okay with that. But I don't think that I wasn't, I just wasn't surprised. I figured that this was the natural outcome of the life that Michelle led. And I think that it's a life that any of us can lead. And I think uh, looking back on it, I remember when I heard that she passed away on Christmas and my first thought was, Oh, what a great gift our Lord has taken for himself on his birthday. And I think that kind of, for me, that sums up who Michelle was. She was a gift. And I think she sought to be a gift to the Lord and to see this take place. And I think it's such a, an extraordinary witness that she didn't. Uh, yes, there were some extraordinary things about her life. But if you looked at her day-to-day -day life, it looks like everybody else's life, right? Maybe she worked someplace different than you work. Uh, but she lived it in such a way that the Lord was always present with her in the midst of that. So I think that's one of the beautiful lessons that I draw from Michelle. The other thing that I take from Michelle is the way that she received people, right? It didn't matter if you had done something to make her mad when I had asked her to move from a place that she loved to someplace else. The next time I saw her, she didn't meet me with any kind of resentment or frustration. It was always the same joy. It was just, it felt like the Lord was smiling through her. And so I strive to do that. I'm terrible at it, but that's something that I would love <laughs> to be a part of my life. But I really, it's, it didn't, it doesn't matter who you are, she received you the way the Lord would receive you with great joy. Now, now, when I think about what you do and what I do, again, it's all we're trying to be there as a support or as an invitation or, you know, a way to reach out and evangelize to say, hey, you're you're made for heaven. You're, you're called to become a saint and let, let's get you on the path or let's walk with you on the path or, hey, why don't you walk with us on the path? Because I need to be evangelized, too. Um, and sometimes I say, you know, this is really hard in today's day and age. But we look at Michelle, we look at Blessed Carlo Acutis, we look at these contemporaries of our lifetime. I mean, it's one thing for me to say, yeah, I was in St. Louis at the youth rally when St. John Paul II came to the hockey arena and, and said, Christ is calling you, the church needs you, the Pope believes in you and expects great things of you. But, you know, even then he was, you know, 80 something years old and I was just 15 and he's not really my contemporary and to say, no, there are those that, you know, we. I was talking with a friend earlier today who was in the same focused training class as Michelle. They were sent on mission at the same time. 
wow, there are people among us who not only are being called to sainthood, but very likely have reached that goal. And so I wonder, Mark, as we wrap up here, what would be your encouragement for our listeners today and for those watching this video on our our social media who are saying, I just don't know if I have what it takes to become a saint? Well, I think the first thing I would say is you don't. Uh, There is no human means by which we're able to achieve uh, the heights of holiness or even necessarily the basic levels of holiness. And I think Michelle kind of points this out, right? She didn't come from some kind of spectacular background or uh, a legacy of something. I mean, her family is are amazing, amazing people, but she just tried to live every single day according to what God was asking her to do. She just showed up to prayer. And I know it wasn't easy for her probably most days, but she just kept showing up. She just kept doing, putting in kind of the paces for prayer and asking God to continue to guide her. And then when the opportunities arose, which pretty much every day they arose, she just said, yes, I'll just say yes to God and whatever this is. I don't understand it. I don't know why he wants me to do this, but yes, I'll step out. And is that not the same that we see from, uh, you know, some of the great fathers in faith, Abraham, Moses, Noah, St. Paul, St. Peter, I don't know what you're asking me to do, but yes, I'm in. I love it. Um, And I I love that you start out with, we don't have what it takes, but God will give us what we need. For more information on Michelle, you can actually go to Focus's website, focus.org slash Michelle Dupong. We'll put a link to that for those of you on the podcast or on, on the video. We'll put a link to that in the description so you don't even have to search for it, figure out the spelling. You just click and go. For more on Focus, go to focus.org. If if you haven't heard us talk about Focus before here on the show, you must be a new listener because we absolutely love our friends at Focus. But check them out. It's well worth seeing the great work they're doing. Focus.org on Online or at Focus Catholic on pretty much every social media you'd be looking for them on. And Mark, I, I want to thank you for taking the time with us on Roadmap to Heaven. And I have to say, we're now in February of 2023, and I'm rejoicing that it's now only 11 months until you all come back to St. Louis for the SEEK conference. What a great experience it was to have you here. It was awesome to be there. It was amazing to see uh, yeah, so many people dedicating their lives to our Lord, just miracles after miracles. And uh, yes, very spectacular. All right. Well, Mark, Mark Bartek, thank you so much for being with us on Roadmap to Heaven this morning. Thank you, Adam. Prayer of St. Clair of Assisi. God of mercy, you inspired St. Clair with a love of poverty. By the help of her prayers, may we follow Christ in poverty of spirit and come to the joyful vision of your glory in the kingdom of heaven. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Our catechist question this morning has to deal with the path to sainthood or being declared a saint by the church, canonization, as we have heard. There are four titles I'm going to give you right now. Servant of God, Venerable, Blessed, and Saint. Servant of God, Venerable, Blessed, and Saint. Which of these four titles is given to a candidate for sainthood whose cause has not yet reached the beatification beatification stage, but whose heroic virtue has been declared by the Pope? Servant of God, Venerable, Blessed, or Saint. 
The answer is venerable. So when a cause is open and under investigation officially in Rome, uh, that you get the title Servant of God. And then at a certain point, the Pope will declare that that person has lived a life of heroic virtue and they would become venerable servant of God. And then uh, in the case of a non-martyr, a miracle would be attributed to that person's life and intercession and they could be beatified and become blessed. And then after a second miracle, canonized. And uh, in the case of a martyr, the church actually does not require the first miracle to become blessed. The the martyrdom itself could be um, the grounds for that. There's a whole lot that goes into it. There's a whole dicastery in Rome that deals with this, but it's a really fascinating thing. Here's the most important thing. Pray that you become a saint. Work in this life with that goal in mind. I want to become a saint. Um, so I'm going to set everything else aside and ask for God's grace and live a holy life. I'll tell you what, let's go ahead and skip to the weather on this. We're starting to run out of time here on the show. Uh, we're going to get you one more check of the weather, and then we'll get you the daily dose of encouragement, and then we will wrap up. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Vocation prayer for youth. Oh, Holy Spirit, Spirit of wisdom and divine love, impart your knowledge, understanding, and counsel to youth that they may know the vocation wherein they can best serve God. Give them courage and strength to follow God's holy will. Guide their uncertain steps. Strengthen their resolutions. Shield their chastity. Fashion their minds. Conquer their hearts. And lead them to the vineyards, where they will labor in God's holy service. Amen. We have a new theme this week for the Daily Dose of Encouragement. Here to shed some light on what we will be discussing is Patty Schneier. Well, this week I want to talk about discernment for marriage. And this actually came from a very strange quote from Scripture. And it comes from Luke chapter 7, verses 18 through 23. And it's actually when John the Baptist is in prison. I know this is going to sound bizarre. He says his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one or shall we look for another? And it's a legitimate question at the time because John is in prison and things aren't looking that great from an earthly perspective. And the answer that Jesus gives is basically look around and see the signs. Here's scripture. It says, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind regain their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. The poor have the good news proclaimed to them. So look at the fruit is what Jesus is saying. Now, I took this actually to prayer in light of many, many young people that I know who are discerning marriage, and they want to know that question. Are you the one, or shall I look for another? It's kind of the same words, but in a different context. So... I've done a lot of work with, of course, talking about marriage in my public ministry. My husband and I have done some marriage prep. And being married 35 years, I just want to offer some practical tips and suggestions for discernment for marriage. And here's the first one. Discern your relationship with the eyes of faith. Real simple questions to ask. It's almost a litmus test. Do you pray together? Do you go to adoration together? Is this person comfortable with prayer from the heart? Is this person comfortable sitting in silence together with Jesus? Does this person practice a sacramental life, receives the sacrament of reconciliation regularly and goes to mass every Sunday? Do you see this person wanting to pass the faith onto your children? And does this person make you a better Catholic? These are just some straight, simple questions about looking at a relationship 
with the eyes of faith and discerning yes or no. Does this person make me a better Catholic and can I live my Catholic faith with this person in union? Again, simple questions, but you may want to start there. Discern your relationship with the eyes of faith. I love the perspective you started us off with with that quote, are you the one I've been waiting for or shall I look for another? That hits pretty deep, Patty, and I want to thank you for this topic on our Daily Dose of Encouragement. Talking about eternal life today and sainthood and the fact that we all strive for it. I was thinking about this, too, over the weekend after conducting that interview with Mark Bartek. You know, for the longest point of uh, longest period of time in recent years i've been just saying to myself well you know i would just be happy to be in heaven to be counted among the saints whether i'm canonized or not and that's very true you know i have a feeling that if if i succeed in the goal set out for me in baptism that calling to present that garment unstained before the lord to bring the light of christ with me to die in a state of grace uh whether or not that involves purgatory or not but ends and me getting to heaven, I, I'm pretty confident that right then and there, I'm not going to say, oh, well, you know, I don't want to go to heaven since I'm not going to be a canonized saint. I'd, I'd rather be a canonized saint or not go at all. No, 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 no. I'll be glad to be in heaven, God willing, if I am there. That said, on this life, do I want to strive to live a life of mediocrity or do I want to strive to live a life of heroic virtue? You know, do I want to be the kind of person that people say, oh, Adam, right, I guess he was okay at practicing his faith? Or do I want to be the kind of person that people say, wow, that's someone who really believes what they believe? That's someone who followed the call of the church, someone who followed the call of our Lord, who walked away from this, that, or the other thing. Again, that life of heroic virtue. And I can't think of, you know, any time in my childhood, and the kids and I were talking about this, uh, they had to come up as an activity with, what would your superhero name be? And they said, uh, Dad, did you ever have a superhero name? And before I could answer, we were at my parents' house. My, my dad said, oh, Grandpa knows what Daddy's superhero name was growing up. It was Adman. You know, there was Superman, and Adam was Adman. And I had a cape, and I had a logo and everything. As a kid, I wanted to be a superhero. When it comes to the faith, why would I want to be anything less? Even as I approach, uh, you know, what some would say that milestone, the 40th birthday, why would I want to be anything less than a hero when it comes to virtue? Sometimes, by the way, that is going to mean that we are going to suffer. Sometimes that means we are going to be uncomfortable. Sometimes it's, you know, it's a lot easier to say, I don't want to draw attention to myself. I don't want to stand out. But if we're not going to stand up for what's right and for what's good and for what's true and for what's beautiful and live a life of virtue, to quote Patty Schneier, who said this once, what's the point? What's the point? And so this weekend, I've been praying for that grace, not just for myself, but for my wife, for my family, for my friends, for all of us who have that desire, whether it's a burning desire or whether it's just an inkling of desire right now, that that, you know, the Holy Spirit would fan into flame that desire to live a life with sainthood as the goal. So, you know, I think I'm going to reorient my goals. I would like to live a life that when I die... They say, we ought, we ought to consider Adam right. 
for a canonization based on the life he led. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Exciting things on the horizon for Roadmap to Heaven. We're going to be talking with Scott Hahn fairly soon. When? Well, I'm not going to tell you because I want you to tune in every day this week. But we'll be talking about holiness. We'll be talking about Lent. We'll be talking about a myriad of things. Until then... For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. You've been listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Do not forget to pray your rosary today.